Hello, everybody, and welcome to the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. This is the Crypto Hipster, Jamil Hassan, where I bring you crypto news, insights, analysis, and commentary. My commentary from all around the world. And uh, today, we got today's episode 60, season three, episode 20, the season finale of the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. Next week, we start season four of the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. It's going to be a little bit of a different format. Hopefully, we don't do some as much uh, trashing and bashing of the regulators around the world, and we focus on additional stuff like NFTs, the status of the NFT, status of the metaverse, status of Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and other altcoins. And we talk about stuff. And uh, anyway, this is uh, the main focus of the X Factor has been regulatory and compliance issues from all around the world because there's a lot to talk about there. Not this week. This week there's some. And we're going to go over that. And I welcome you to the season finale of the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. So let's, without further ado, let's kick things off because this is going to be an ongoing saga over the next three weeks or four weeks or however long it takes. But this week on Tuesday, the opening arguments began in the Sam Bankman Freed case, actually Wednesday, I believe. Um, the assistant U.S. attorney, Thane Wren, in an opening statement will say his girlfriend, Sam, Bankman's girlfriend, will tell you how they stole money together. Oh, wow. That sounds dramatic and exciting. Prosecutors and defense attorneys in the criminal case of former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, also known as the curly hair guy, painted a very different picture for the jury to consider during the trial. In a New York, a New York courtroom on Wednesday, assistant U.S. State's attorney Thane Wren and SBF's attorney Mark Cohen delivered opening arguments to a jury of 12 people on the events leading up to the collapse of FTX on Sam Bankman Free's role. The remarks followed Judge Lewis Kaplan finalizing a selection of 12 members of the jury and six alternates after more than a day of questioning roughly 50 people. According to a uh, a thread um, from the inner city press was at the event. Wren claimed in a court that SBF used FTX customer funds to enrich himself, as well as convince lawmakers through campaign donations and testimony. It's kind of how Gensler got his job. That he was trustworthy. The assistant of U.S. attorney reportedly argued that Bankman Freed reportedly repeatedly lied to users, employees, lawmakers, and the general public regarding the whole. FTX found itself in during November 2022 when financial information on the exchange was released. The hole was too big, said Wren, so the defendant blamed the turn downturn in the crypto market, but he had committed fraud. But that is what the evidence in this trial will show. You will hear from his inner circle. His girlfriend will tell you how they stole money together. Did he steal? Did he commit fraud? It's black and white. It's red or wrong. It's, you know, yes or no. And 
We're going to find out what the answer to that yes or no question is. Every day there's going to be news on this. There's going to be an ongoing saga. It's going to be something. And there was recently a book that came out um, that, and I the name escapes me right now, but um, on this whole thing. And I'm sure it's going to be a movie and all the jazz and all that different stuff. And, you know, you'll know. Another credit, another fraudster. Uh, Alex Mashinsky's jury trial is scheduled for September 2024. According to the New York court, the former Celsius CEO remained free on $40 million bail through legal proceedings. Uh, New York court set the date on September 17, 2024, this week on Tuesday. Uh, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York Judge John Kotel said Mashinsky's criminal trial was scheduled for September 2024 with three pretrial conferences in March, July, and September. The former Celsius CEO remained free on $40 million bail through the legal proceedings through his travel and certain financial transactions are still largely restricted. No running away, buddy. Got to face the music. The hearing marks some of the first movements in Mashinsky's criminal case since his arrest in July. Authorities have alleged that the former CEO misled Celsius investors and defrauded users out of billions of dollars. In September, the court froze many of Mashinsky's assets, including his bank accounts and property. Roni Cohen-Pavan, Celsius' former chief revenue officer, pleaded guilty, guilty to four criminal charges in September. He will be free on bail until a December sentencing hearing and available to testify in Mashinsky's trial if required. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so that'll be continued. We'll continue coverage of that um, as things occur and as things happen. So, you know, you got him and you got him under the, you know, and you got SBF and you have, you know, this was a whole implosion and it was meant wherever it's sourced source from was meant to try to kill the market, but it didn't. It didn't. We were rising from the ashes. Begin anew. Blockchain is the future. Blockchain is the future. And, uh, can't stop that you know it's kind of like stopping the clouds in the sky or stopping the sun from rising in the east and setting in the west or you know stopping winter from like you can't stop it it's coming and it's coming sooner than you think so there is a silver lining and a bright light to the end of this in the dark tunnel the tunnel is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter as we move forward that's how it's going to be. Kind of like that movie, you know, The Water Boy, when uh, Adam Sandler's girlfriend was like telling O.J. Simpson the final score was going to be the game. He said, why do you think that? He's like, I don't think it. That's how it's going to be. And it was. Final score. That's how it's going to be. Let's go to Canada. Canadian regulatory body clarifies stablecoin rules for exchanges and issuers. The Canadian Securities Administrators, CSA, has provided guidance to exchanges and cryptocurrency use issuers on its interim approach to what it calls value reference crypto assets with a particular focus on stable coins. Stable coins is going to be a common theme. Okay. Get used to it. You might not want to hear about it, but we're going to hear about it and we're going to hear about it ad infinitum. On October 5, yesterday, the Umbrella Organization of Canada, Canada, 
provincial and territorial securities regulators published a clarification saying it may allow trading of certain cryptocurrencies that reference the value of a single fiat currency subject to terms and conditions. In February, the CSA reaffirmed its view that stablecoins may constitute securities and or derivatives, which Canadian crypto exchanges are prohibited from trading. However, if issuers maintain an appropriate reserve of assets with a qualified custodian and crypto exchanges offering stablecoins make certain information related to governance, operations, and reserve of assets publicly available, then the CSA could allow those assets to be traded. Aha. That's where we're at in Canada. All right. Let's go to South America. Argentina. CBDC. Here we go. Another central bank digital currency will improve tax collection, says an Argentine central banker. Juan Agustin Natelis Noguera, a director of Banco Central de la República Argentina, the country's central bank, publicly supported the Minister of Economy, Sergio Massa, in his promotion of central bank digital currencies as a remedy for the national economy. Giving commentary on local television, Noguera expressed his belief that the digital peso could help stabilize the Argentina economy as soon as 2024. In the official's opinion, the key feature of a CBDC is its traceability, which would help the government to collect taxes. By having trace, he says, quote, by, by having traceability of operations with a digital currency, because it is, it is not known who does them, but there is evidence that they were done. You broaden the tax base. This will allow you to raise more without having to raise taxes and even lower them. The CBDC will also help solve the nation's monetary problem as the unstable local currency, the Argentina peso, often competes with the U.S. dollar, even a payment method, even as a payment method, according to Noguera. All right, that's Argentina. And then we have another thing from Argentina. <clears throat> Argentina presidential candidate wants CBDCs to solve hyperinflation. We talked about Noguera. Now we're going to talk about Massa. Okay. Argentina presidential candidate Sergio Massa has pledged to launch a certain central bank digital currency if elected to solve Argentina's long lasting inflation crisis. He says, Well, I'm clear that inflation is a huge problem in Argentina, the country's second leading candidate, he said. In an October 2 presidential debate before outlining how he plans to solve the country's devastating inflation, he says, we're going to launch the new digital currency in Argentina. We're going to do it globally for all of Argentina, accompanied by a laundering law that allows those who have money abroad to bring it and use it freely without new taxes in parallel. Massa, who currently serves as the minister of economy, shut down the idea that Argentina should move to the U.S. dollar. Dollarization is what generates the temptation of the dollar. Be patriots, he says, and defend our currency. Do not promote the use of the U.S. dollar. That's a problem. Sounds like a problem to me, right? Sounds like a little conflict between the Argentina and the U.S. Their election will take place on October 22nd. So let's see how that works out. How, what do you let me, let me know? Your thoughts, let me know your thoughts on everything we've talked about so far in the Americas. And we're going to go over to Europe. Okay. It's not too much going on in the U.S., but we've got some major, major things going on in Europe. And I interview a lot of people in Europe 
for the Crypto Hipster podcast. And I've covered these topics recently. So if you check out any of my latest podcasts, please do. European regulator published a second consultation on MICA. The European Securities and Markets Authority, ESMA, the European Union's markets regulator, released a second consultative paper on markets and crypto assets mandates yesterday, two or five. In a 307-page document, the ESMA seeks stakeholder input on five areas of MICA, including sustainability indicators for distributed ledgers, Disclosures of inside information, technical requirements for white papers, trade transparency measures, and record keeping for crypto asset service providers. Among the sustainability indicators, the authority counts quantitative metrics on the consumption of energy, greenhouse gas emissions, and the production of waste together with a qualitative statement on the impact of the use of equipment by blockchain network nodes on natural resources. For the post-trade transparency, the ESMA proposes requiring CASPs, the crypto asset service providers, to report trading and publication date and time, identification of crypto asset pricing information, quantity, venue of execution, and transaction ID. The ESMA also suggests allowing the CASPs, to store transaction data in the format they consider most appropriate. The regulator will publish a final report based on feedback received and submit the draft technical standards to the European Commission by June 30th, 2024. However, before that, it will publish a third consultation package during the first quarter of 2024. Let me know your thoughts on that. Okay? And then we're going to talk about Abyss, not taking abyss, but just BIS. The BIS and EU central banks are building a data platform to track crypto flow, according to DeFi flows. Uh, the Bank for International Settlements has developed a proof of concept for a system tracking on-chain and off-chain transactions from cryptocurrency exchanges and public blockchains, including Bitcoin. Working with the Deutsche Bundesbank, the Nederlandse Bank, the European Central Bank, and the Bank of France, the BIS, has announced a successful proof of concept called Project Atlas to gauge the macroeconomic relevance of cryptocurrency markets and DeFi protocols. The BIS Innovation Hub published details of the concept, which aims to provide insights, information, and economic implications of the sector citing a lack of transparency and potential risks to financial stability characterized by pro high-profile failings in the crypto space like Terra, Terra Luna in 2022, and others like FTX and Celsius and all that jazz. The project combines off-chain data from crypto exchanges with on-chain data from public blockchains gathered by nodes. The first iteration of the proof of concept saw Project Atlas tracking crypto flows across geographical locations. Let me know how that's going to work out. Let me know your thoughts. What do you think about all that? About DeFi flows. It's important that we know where our money is. One of the problems with the traditional financial world is you can launder cash really easily, you know, much more easily than you can blockchains, which are fully immutable, traceable, trackable. You know, um, even though some people are told a narrative that's a lie, it's different. It's not true. Blockchains are much more 
transparent than any cash that I've ever heard of. So we'll see how it goes, right? The EU to assess export controls on artificial intelligence tech and semiconductor chips. Okay. Semiconductor chips obviously falls under mining under Bitcoin, right? The European Commission is conducting risk assessments to consider export controls on critical technology areas, including artificial intelligence and semiconductor technologies. Yesterday, uh, actually October 3rd, which is Tuesday, EU officials said they had identified four areas that need assessment regarding technology risk and risk of technology leakage. Artificial intelligence is one. Then advanced semiconductor technologies. Quantum technologies and biotechnologies according to the announcement these technologies were chosen based on their transformative nature the risk of civil or military fusion and the risk that the technology could be used to violate human rights theory breton commissioner for the internal market of the european union called the move an important step for eu resilience adding we need to continuously monitor our critical technologies, assessing our risk exposure, and as when necessary, take measures to preserve our strategic interests and our security. Continued, Europe is adapting to the new geopolitical realities, putting an end to the era of negativity and acting as a real geopolitical power. Let me know your thoughts on AI semiconductor chips. It's a little different than potato chips which are yummy and tasty, but semiconductor chips are yummy and tasty in a different way. They help us mine Bitcoin, which helps preserve energy, lower energy costs, not taking as much energy as Christmas lights and Las Vegas and Amazon and a host of other things. So let me know your thoughts. UNESCO. UNESCO and the Netherlands have designed an AI supervision project for the EU. Speaking about AI, the UN and the Dutch government announced plans to create a framework for the ethical supervision of artificial intelligence. On October 5, the Dutch Authority for Digital Infrastructure and the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, officially launched a project called Supervising AI by Competent Authorities which will gather data on how European countries supervise AI. The project has financial support via the European Commission's Technical Support Instrument, TSI, and information collected by the project will, be, will result in a list of best practices recommendations. Gabriela Ramos, the Assistant Director General for Social and Human Science at UNESCO, said, we're talking about the kind of world we want to live in. To shape the technological development of AI, we need effective governance frameworks underpinned by the ethical and moral values we all hold dear. Along with best practices, the information gathered will assist in creating future training sessions to improve institutional capacity on the topic. I like that word, ethics. I wrote three books called Blockchain Ethics. My first Blockchain Ethics books was in 2018, a year and a half before MIT and Gary Gensler said that they coined the phrase Who's being ethical? All right, let's go to Portugal. Head of Portugal, central bank deems crypto unsustainable, calls for global regulation. Mario Centeno, right? That's our, the governor of the Banco de Portugal, remember it's from a bank, joins a chorus of regulators and bankers 
claiming the national efforts to oversee crypto won't work correctly without a global framework. He may be correct. We'll see. He says, it is still unclear whether these highly volatile products are here to stay. It's pretty clear they are, um, despite what that man says. But we'll see. What else does he say? What else is clear, however, is that the European Union has not been idle. In June this year, the MICA, Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation, entered the, into force. This uniform EU market rules represent the initial step toward regulating this market comprehensively. In an opening speech at the 2023 Banco de Portugal Financial Stability Conference on Monday, Centeno called for international cooperation to set up a robust, frame, a robust framework and avoid the possibility of regulatory arbitrage. He says it will be short-sighted to believe that regulating and supervising these global risks and international players at the national level will suffice. Yes. Uh, Centeno said there's undeniable risk of their, of their enviability in the long run. He expressed disbelief in the democratizing potential of digital assets and even their ability to ultimately survive. Yeah. Um, because you're a banker, you can't see things any other way. Way, but you're way out of left field, sir. Stick to your beautiful beaches, delicious food, and we won't have a problem. All right, let's go to Asia. Retail stablecoin trading in Hong Kong is not allowed yet. Whoa, where did that come from? Come on. As Hong Kong progresses with the adoption of cryptocurrency trading for individual investors, a local official stressed that retail stablecoin trading is not yet allowed. Hong Kong has not adopted regulations for stablecoins like Tether or USD coin, which means retail investors are not allowed to trade those assets. According to Hong Kong's Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury, Christian Hui. The official provided remarks on cryptocurrency regulation in Hong Kong during an online investment committee meeting on this on October 6th. And cryptocurrency service providers have been broadly using stable coins like Tether as a major trading asset because their value is designed to be stabilized to the pegged and pegged to the US dollar or assets like gold. However, Hui said. Some stablecoins have faced serious volatility issues and even collapsed in the past. Terra Luna is a good example of that. Adding reserve management of stablecoins highly affects the price stability of investors' rights to redeem fiat currencies. Considering the risks, retail trading of stablecoins will not be allowed until Hong Kong officially regulates stablecoins, he said. All right. Well, here people aren't going to trade stablecoins, but they can trade other things like Bitcoin, like Litecoin, like Ethereum, and XRP is big over there, right? So XRP. Um, and Hong Kong, we'll stay in Hong Kong. Hong Kong could be a tailwind for lagging crypto activity in Asia, according to a report from Chainalysis. Recent crypto advancements in Hong Kong could provide a potential tailwind to lift crypto activity in the East region, East Asia region which mainly suffered from a China-wide ban on trading activity since 2019. Crypto value received in East Asia amounted to just 8.8% of the world between July 2022 and June 2023, according to a report from Chainalysis, making it the fifth most active crypto market. However, Chainalysis and Hong Kong's recent moves could help increase this number. A potential tailwind for East Asia comes from Hong Kong where several crypto initiatives and industry-friendly regulations 
launched over the past year have fostered bubbling optimism. Data from Chainalysis reveals East Asia's share of crypto transaction value went from around 30% in 2019 to less than 10% by the second quarter of 2022 after several crypto-related bans in China. However, there's bubbling optimism in Hong Kong, noting despite its much smaller population, Hong Kong is already an extremely active crypto market by raw transaction volume. I have a book, I have a podcast interview with Charles DeHasse called Block uh, about his book called Block Kong. I recommend check it out. Please do. And uh, my book's coming out real soon about our conversation with Charles. Hong Kong has a lot of really smart people, you know, and smart people in government too. Um, so distinguishing itself from a lot of places in the world, <clears throat> U.S., <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so let's go to stay in Asia. Got one more article in Asia. Uh, Singapore, all right. Singapore. Singapore awards major payment distribution license to Sing Signum Bank subsidiary. Signum Singapore, a subsidiary of Switzerland-based cryptocurrency bank Signum, received a license to offer crypto brokerage services to accredited investors and institutions in Singapore. Uh, it announced on Monday it required a major payment institution MPI license from the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Speaking, uh, a spokesperson there revealed the company transitioned from in-principle approval to a full license within four months. Signal Singapore secured in-principle regulatory approval to offer three additional regulated activities. Under its capital markets license, licenses in March 2022, the company caters to institutional investors, corporate clients, high net worth individuals, and other financial institutions. Speaking about the license, they say this additional license enables us to extend our service offering to also offer digital payment token trading services to our clients. Congratulations, Signal Bank. Let me know your thoughts on that. Then we will go to the Middle East. Got a couple of places that we don't really that we rarely talk about, but that have Bitcoin mining versus Uzbekistan. Bitcoin mining restricted to legal entities in Uzbekistan. Cryptocurrency mining in Uzbekistan faces major changes as the country's crypto market supervisor has approved the framework for licensing crypto mining operations. Uzbekistan's National Agency for Prospective Projects, NAP issued a decree on licensing cryptocurrency mining operations, limiting such activities exclusively to legal entities. Besides banning individual mining operations, the NAPA has also required firms to use only solar power to mine cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Solar power, that's renewable energy, by the way. However, miners can still use the unified power system of Uzbekistan in certain cases stipulated by legislation. The document doesn't mention which cases are meant by that, but among other requirements, Uzbekistan's crypto watchdog demanded companies set up a dedicated room for installing mining equipment and only mine crypto at registered addresses. The rules require crypto mining firms to provide timely and full payment of mining fees established by regulators. The government always gets their cut, right? Yep, we see that. Let's go to Kazakhstan. The stands have not been happy places recently. In, in a few decades, but hey, Kazakhstan. Kazakh, Kazakh crypto miners plead with president to cut energy prices. Local crypto mining operators in Kazakhstan 
the world's third largest market in terms of Bitcoin mining hash rate. Number three, Kazakhstan, number three, are complaining about high energy prices to the country's president. According to local media, eight major cryptocurrency mining operators signed an open letter to President Kasim Jomar Tokiev. The list includes BCD Company, TT Tech, KEZ Systems, AI Solutions, Green Power Solutions, Vercom, and Kanur Invest. The letter states that crypto mining industry is a very distressful situation because of high energy prices for miners. As of today, all major industry players have suspended their activities and plan to completely cease their business in the Republic of Kazakhstan by the end of the year, they say. That's what they say. The executives who signed the letter believe that the situation with prices derails the government's efforts to regulate the crypto industry in general and mining in particular. According to the letter, the problem is a consequence of the decision to raise taxes on energy for crypto miners. Because of the taxes, the country has already lost its position among crypto mining leaders like the U.S., Russia, China. And the industry stands on the brink of extinction in Kazakhstan. There you go. Makes sense to me why the stands have not been a happy place. You know what is a happy place? The Crypto Hipster Podcast. And about a half hour from now, from the time I'm recording this interview, I have another interview and a podcast coming out this weekend for your enjoyment. This podcast is episode 60, has been episode 60 of The X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. It is the culmination of season three. The last episode in season three, season four, kicks off next. I wish everybody an amazing week. Enjoy. I'll see you on the flip side of season three or season four. Bye-bye.